Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman. Alongside me, Jarrah Kimber, after every day's play of the West Indies series, we will be bringing you a bite-sized chunk of cricket news and chat uh, as we look back at the action from the Aegeus Bowl for the first test. Uh, then Old Trafford, then Old Trafford again, I think. Then maybe back to the Aegeus Bowl. Either way, there's going to be a lot of Aegeus Bowl. Uh, plenty to talk about today. And I didn't think I'd have that to say with an hour or so to go before stumps. You're listening to the following on podcast. So if you are listening to this podcast, you probably already know the scorecard. Possibly you missed the last hour of play, though, and don't know what happened at the Aegeus Bowl. Um, well, this game has turned on its head. Uh, England ending day four, 284 for eight. Uh, so a lead of about 160-odd uh, with uh, Joffre Archer and Mark Wood at the crease. What's that, you cry? When I left to go and pick up the kids, Ben Stokes and Zach Crawley were putting England into a position where they could win on day five. Well, they may still win, uh, but uh, a, a mixture of Shannon Gabriel and Alzari Joseph uh, combined to just drag this game back the way of the West Indies. Plenty to talk about today, so let's get going. Story of the day. Jared, be honest. In fact, let's, uh, well, we're always honest, but why don't we do our story of the day as though play had finished an hour previously? Say play had finished at six o'clock. What would your story of the day be? If play had finished at six o'clock, it would be that England got the start that they wanted to get in that they essentially uh, nullified the new ball and nullified the second new ball, if you think about it in a Duke's way. So, you know, between 20 and 45 and uh, that the, the strength of their middle order was coming through. That would have been the story of the day at that point. It's no yeah. longer the story of the day. It isn't. Um, and I think what would have furthered on from that story of the day is we probably would have spoken quite eloquently about Zach Crawley. Um, and we would have said that actually, of the two sides, England probably in the, are the favourites to win the match. Um, the draw would have still been favourite, but still, they would have allowed themselves a good two sessions to try and test the mettle of the uh, of the West Indies. And we saw Roston Chase, a man you widely tipped yesterday, never to take a wicket ever again, um, <laughs> cause a few problems. Dominic Bess would have, uh, would have turned his arm over. It, you know, it, the pressure would have been on the West Indies. We've seen it many, many times when a side 
has been in front for four days to to find themselves on day five, you know, up against it, finally things can happen. However, the game actually finished at seven o'clock. So, Jared, what is the story of the day? The story of the day is essentially, I think, what I tipped to happen yesterday in our uh, in our throw forward section. West Indies don't don't stop putting pressure on you. They keep putting pressure on you. It is uh, you know a hallmark of their their game over the last two and a half years. Uh, even when they haven't always been able to pull it off, they they don't let you get away. And England's strength is well Stokes at this point, but Stokes and Pope probably in the middle order. And to be fair, Crawley stepped up today, and uh, those two things sort of clashed, didn't they? And uh, essentially, it was England that, that cracked a little bit earlier. Um, but maybe they still have enough to, to win the game. But I think that's essentially what happened there. The West Indies don't let you get away. They don't really let you score runs. And, I mean, Shannon Gabriel is probably the only bowler they have in their side who regularly goes at over three runs and over. And he just attacks the top of off stump all the time. You're right. I did call it. Alzaro Joseph was, uh, did play a big <laughs> part in the, in the game today. Thank you for that. Um, you're right. I think it was England who blinked first, really, today. I, I got it wrong yesterday when I suggested that if it got to a position in the game where it looked like England were just about to go ahead, uh, as they were, you know, they were 100, approaching 150 leads, two set batsmen, 249 for three. Um, they kind of seen off, you know, a good whack of the second new ball. And it, it just seemed like it was England who was starting to dare to dream. But that, that didn't happen at all. Um, Holder took Stokes' wicket for the second time in the match. And, uh, and then Alzaro Joseph took two, should have taken three, because Bess was put down off his bowling. And then there was a, a, one of those marginal LBW decisions that we, I talked about yesterday with Craig Brathwaite. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, that went against West Indies in so far that Brathwaite was given out went against West Indies today. Bess was not given out and uh, they kept the review West Indies. Anyway, that's not really anything to do with the story of the day. <laughs> but yeah, we've, um, we've got a game. And, and, and listeners, you're, depending on what time you're listening to this podcast, you know, within the next 24 hours, your social media channels could be flooded with uh, tweets along the lines of, that's why Test Cricket is the best game in the world. You should just do. You should just tweet one of those now, just uh, just in case. I I did think as I was watching uh, Burns and Sibley and Denley uh, go about their business today in a manner that's totally expected. Penny for Trevor Bayliss's thoughts, you know, Mister Go Faster. He didn't want uh, he didn't want one blocker in the top three, and England have got three blockers in the top three. Look, they don't have a very strong batting lineup. You're better off taking balls out of the game if you don't have batsmen who can score, uh, you know, who can average over 40. I don't think if, I'm not sure any of those three, and uh, perhaps even Crawley, uh, you know, at, at this stage, although he might go on to be a different player, uh, are ever going to average over 40 in test match cricket. But if you can take 100 balls out of every innings, uh, you make it a lot easier for Joe Root and Ollie Pope and uh, whoever the wicketkeeper is and Ben Stokes. One other thing, as I watched Joffre Archer come into bat late on in the day, is that suddenly England's tail is a lot longer than it's been in, in recent years. And, you know, a lot of England's problems, or rather England's successes, have been built on, somewhat unwisely, I would say, uh, the likes of uh, Sam Curran coming in and hitting a quick 50 and, and turning a, a low-scoring game around. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Joffre and Wood, you know, they are 
pretty good number nine and tens in, in any sort of normal situation. But what you're talking about is how good England have been uh, with their tail end because they've been batting, you know, guys like Moen has been batting at eight and Sam Curran, I think, might have been batted at nine in one test. Um, Chris Wokes has batted at nine. You know, you can't compare that to what it is now. But realistically, Mark Wood is a very good, um, uh, probably number nine prospect. And Joffre Archer probably even has more batting potential uh, than Wood going forward. So realistically, it's just that at the moment, they're, uh, uh, they're not quite there yet, perhaps, with their batting. But they're not the worst tail in the world. But West Indies is the best tail in the world. So, you know. Moment of the day moments of the day today um the one that comes to mind well there's two that come to mind first off have is that the last we'll see of joe denley in international cricket that lame clip to mid-wicket you can't actually call him out can you because what has he done differently in this test than he has done over the last 15 or so tests or how many tests he's now played essentially this is what he does so if, if you're being realistic, he can't be dropped for this because he's doing exactly what they brought him into the side to do. Take some balls out of the game and, uh, you know, bat in the positions that they need to have someone bat. I mean, the fact that Zach Crawley made runs behind him, it probably suggests that it's the end of Joe Denley. But uh, whatever him and Ed Smith have going on, it seems to uh, keep him in the side. Realistically, he should not be in the side going forward. As I said, it's not his fault. He just It's a very good bowling era and he's a bit of a flawed batsman. But... I mean, that was a terrible way to go out. And, and to be honest, he was trying to go out with the pull shot already. So it wasn't as if, you know, he was batting beautifully and then he chipped one up. He, he should have gone out. Um, was it Alzari Joseph, I think, was bowling? Um, and should have had him out pulling on the boundary as well. What, what on earth was he thinking? He has the ability to block, 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 block and play a stupid shot. It's like, you know, reverse batting. Well, Joe Root's coming back in the second test match, so um, I think that might be it for the other Joe. Um, another batsman that's position, whose position was really starting to come under scrutiny towards the end of last year. Um, personally, I've always been a little suspicious of, uh, of Josh Butler, unfortunately, at test level. Never really quite bought into uh, the loving for him on uh, that you do you do see undoubted talent though he is great guy speaks very well but a bit of a luxury item I'm afraid and I feel he's destabilised Johnny Bairstow I don't think Bairstow was doing anything wrong at number seven or six uh, keeping the gloves Butler came in and it's it all went horribly wrong for Bairstow and um, I think it's going to go horribly wrong for Butler because surely England are going to have to make a big call on him sooner rather than later. He came into bat number seven at Headingley, made those runs as a specialist number seven batsman. And I wrote an article saying, this doesn't make sense. And I don't think it's good for English cricket at that time. Uh, nothing that I've seen since then has changed. He's just failed more often, which you would, it makes sense. He, he never made first class runs. There is a reason he had never made first-class runs. It's because you have a slipped cord in as much as anything. And he also has a couple of other weaknesses that he's kind of developed in test cricket. But, but essentially, as, a, as, a, as of someone who's gone up against him as an analyst in T20 cricket, I tell teams to put two and three slips in there. Now, you know, he's getting four and five people in the cordon when it comes to test cricket. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, this idea that these players are going to transcend what they do. There is a reason Owen Morgan didn't make it as a test cricketer. There is a reason that Josh Butler didn't make it as a test cricketer. If he was averaging 45 for Somerset 
and it was a bit streaky at times, I'd be like, that's fair. Let's give him a go. Bring him in. But he wasn't brought in like that. And he's never consistently made first-class runs. Now, it might be psychological, it might be technical. I think in these cases, when it's a white ball player, we always go, it's, it's psychological. I'm not saying it's not. I think that certainly plays a part. But he has technical issues. And those technical issues are much easier to find in test cricket than they are in white ball cricket, where he is a potential, you know, Hall of Fame player in white ball cricket going forward. He's already, you know, an England great. He might go on to be an all-time great. He's an incredible white ball player. But let, let's be realistic here. He's not a great red ball player at any level that he has played. So why would you suddenly think that was going to change? And then, and I've gone on about this so much on talk sport and, you know, Crick Info and, you know, just to people, if they cross me in the street, I usually start telling them this. England had about 93 guys who could bat at number seven who could do incredible damage to opposition teams. You know, Moen Ali, Chris Works, Johnny Bairstow. You've also got Ben Folks who changes England's team a little bit as well. Uh, uh, Sam Curran is another one who's a potential uh, for that position. They had a, a million number sevens. So why try and make Butler into that position to begin with? Uh, and then they put him up the order. Well, if he's not making runs at number seven consistently, he's not going to make runs at number six or number five. None of it makes sense to me. It, anyway, it, one, of the, one of the things I find very funny is that Joffre and Wood are the reasons that it, you know, England have been struggling in this test, not the fact that Joe Denley and Josh Butler are subpar batsmen. Um, and that's not having a go at them. They are, you know, there's a reason why they have been picked. It's because England don't have a lot of good batsmen out here. But this whole idea that because Broad hasn't played and that's why England fell behind in this test. Come on now. Joffre and Wood had to play, had to bowl on the flatter pitch. Broadie would have had to bowl on that, that pitch as well. Maybe he would have done well. Maybe he wouldn't have. But realistically, a lot of this problem comes down to the fact that England don't have seven batsmen who are consistently making runs. And they haven't had them for, I don't know, since they were the best team in the world. Yeah, much as uh, or the, the parallels are drawn between Broad getting dropped in this test match and Broad getting dropped in the first test match of the, of, in Barbados. Um, you know, that's the reason that England lost in Barbados. Well, no, you know, England were bowled out for 77 in Barbados. That's why they lost in Barbados. One last thing in terms of moment of the day, just a small one, probably actually isn't worth me talking about, but Rory Burns really does get out in some strange ways, doesn't he? I mean, if you were to put together a list of every single way he's been dismissed, he must have covered the whole lot. I mean, I can't, apart from obstructing field, um, he's, he's done it all. It's funny you say that because Dom Sibley seems to get, he, he's reverse cordoned his batting. Where he only <laughs> seems to go out caught on the leg side between mid-wicket and, and the wicket-keeper. And, and yet Rory Burns still sticks out in your mind. So uh, it's, uh, that, that tells you how weird Rory Burns' batting has been. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. 
Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Shot of the day. The reason I didn't mention Dom Sibley was because it was his shot of the day or his dismissal that is going to be my shot of the day because uh, Lawrence, both topspin uh, on Twitter, you know, asked the question um, that I'd already written down, I was already thinking about, but... It's a little strange. I mean, look, we have seen players targeted with a leg side trap. I mean, mm-hmm. it does happen. But I, I struggle to think of a player, maybe if I'd read all the answers to Lawrence Booth's uh, tweet, maybe the, the answer's in there. But um, let's, let's just imagine it isn't. I can't think of too many players where essentially uh, they get targeted, caught down the leg side quite as much as, and not even with a leg slip half the time or a leg gully. It's Caught down the leg side by the wicket keepers. Can you think of any? I can't. Bathers is the one I remember the most. It's usually older batsmen who have bad backs because they can't get away from the ball around their hip and their ribs, and so they don't have they don't have the flexibility they had when they were younger, and they quite often um, uh, you know nick off. Whereas it's not that for Sibley, although that is that ball is a particular problem for him. Um, but it's not just that he it's. Something to do with the way he sort of scoops the ball to the leg side makes him a constant catch. There's a, <clears throat> there's a lot of trigger movements from Dom Sibley. He does yeah. move quite far across the crease towards the offside. He, I mean, I don't know if that's got anything to do with it. Well, I mean, Steve Smith, they set a lot of leg side traps for him and he has the same movements and for the same reasons. I wonder if Sibley isn't actually coming into, and you see this in the, in, in the, around the world. I think we've had an incredible um, crop of bowlers of, of the last three years, four years. We've also had slightly friendlier pitches over that time. But the other thing that's changed is that every team has an analyst and every team knows every weakness now. And what you are seeing is very specifically the best bowlers using the best plans against each individual batsman. I can't think of teams doing this that consistently to Graham Smith. They, do, they would do it occasionally. And yet there's nothing that Graham Smith does realistically that Dom Sibley doesn't do. They both crap across the crease and close the face of the bat. But I don't remember the fielding um, being as exact for him, if that makes sense. Whereas I think now that the sort of the ability to watch so much video, I mean, so if you're a player and you want to watch, you can watch every, what did Sibley face? 150 balls today. And you're a right arm seamer, right? And from the West Indies, you can literally go through and watch all of those uh, clips in about five minutes, six minutes, perhaps. And you have a really, and by the end of that, and when you do it, it's a really interesting thing, you know, as an analyst, you start to like straight away, just notice these patterns emerge. And then, then you've got the analyst doing it as well. You've probably got the bowling coach having a look at them as well. And then you start to play around with these fields and these, in these different kinds of strategies. 
I think that it's, it's the culmination of all of those things that is happening to Sibley. If you think about cricket in the 90s and 2000s, more often than not, what you would do is try and get someone out in the slips. That was over and over and over again. That's not what teams are doing anymore. The slips are still there. A lot of teams are going away from that and going, do you know what I'm going to do? We're going to try and make sure we hit the stumps as much as possible. Or we're going to, bowl sh- you know, we're going to be like Neil Wagner. We're going to bowl short as, as long as we can for as long as possible. All these different kinds of things are coming in because we now have uh, – I, I it's not the cricketers hadn't thought of these things before, but they have the technology and the people helping them to put all these plans together. And I think that Sibley perhaps has fallen into that kind of world where teams are just like, this is what we do to him. He's going to have to keep um, twisting the ball to the leg side. He's going to nick some. He's going to pop up a couple to short mid-wicket. And occasionally he's going to go to leg gully. It's a very hard thing for him. That is like 90% of his scoring shots. So what does he do? He literally stops scoring. You can't do that in test cricket either. So it's a really interesting one for me. Mm. But let's remember, he scored 50. So um, I thought he batted well. Yeah, I, I did as well. It, it looked relatively comfortable for much of the day and uh, his innings was one of the reasons for that ball of the day shannon gabriel knocking out um, don bess's stumps i don't know how many times he missed don bess's off stump by a millimeter uh roddy eswick i think if you were if you were if you were gonna right at the moment you're gonna start an academy from scratch in say a country like afghanistan or um, Ireland, you would bring Roddy Eswick in as a bowling coach. What he's done for that bowling unit is incredible. It wasn't that long ago that Shannon Gabriel was fast and nothing else. The ability to change a few things in Shannon Gabriel, fix his wrist position occasionally, he's still not perfect with it, but essentially say to him, mate, if you can bowl 90 miles an hour pretty much throughout your entire spell, if you bowl it at the top of off stump as much as possible with the cutlass short balls occasionally, you are going to be so hard to play. And that is, that's essentially what he does. There's not that much difference between what Shannon Gabriel does and what Pat Cummins does. Pat Cummins might be a little bit more repeatable. Uh, he's a little bit fitter. He doesn't have the size of Shannon Gabriel, so he can probably bowl the, the spells a little bit easier. But essentially, that's what it is. And I think it was three balls the previous over. I thought he had bowled Don Bess or had him caught behind. It was incredible. So to finally hit the stump from wide on the crease, angling it in, fading it away, you can't actually face those balls consistently. A proper batsman can't, let alone poor Don Bess. Lol of the day. So listeners will understand that during the day, Jared and I are texting away or WhatsApping away. And um, I, I texted you, didn't I? Or WhatsApped you saying, I'm struggling for a lol of the day. And you just replied with the word Hugh Jardon. And Which I believe now is trending on Twitter, that phrase. <laughs> yes, it is definitely trending on Twitter. But I looked at it and you know when you get a message from someone you think it's um, predictive text gone wrong. So you just you just wait for a little bit and you just I, and then I looked at the top and it didn't say typing. So I realized that that is what you intended to. So I just Googled it and then I saw why. And it, I realized as soon as I put it into social media, because I had caught the end of Rob Key on Sky Sports. Um, I mean, he just lost it. He, he couldn't even speak. He was laughing so much. Um, care to explain? Essentially, Sky decided that it would be a great idea to read out tweets live on air of, <laughs> of club cricket because club cricket was back today. And they'd made a couple of attempts to sort of talk about club cricket earlier in the day and they hadn't quite taken off. And I think, they, I think the producer or the director has just come in and said, look, everyone's talking about club cricket today. Why don't we just get people to say, you know, 
great games and bad games. And people have been sending in their great games and their bad games. Anyway, do you want me to read you the tweet? Yep. So, so they're going... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. They're, they're going through all these different things of, um, you know, someone's made a golden duck and someone else split his pants and all these sorts of things. And then Athens reads this out. Unbelievable scenes from Cockermouth Cricket Club. Now, this is the good thing about this tweet. I don't know if you know this. Cockermouth Cricket Club is a real cricket club and it's where Ben Stokes played. So Athens, being Athens, has read that and gone, ah, Cockermouth. He adds a fact at that stage. He stops to add the fact about Ben Stokes. And then, but the rest of the tweet is with huge hard on bowling six for nine. Uh, so huge hard on six for nine is obviously quite clear. At this stage, Rob Key can't breathe. <laughs> and Athos must work it out. Now, I, I think that Rob Key actually started laughing around Cockermouth, but I think it's possible he saw the tweet as well, realized what the joke was. He was trying to tell Athos about The Simpsons but he couldn't actually stop laughing to tell him about it. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen the Simpsons, you know, the scenes where they would ring up, um, they would ring up Mo and they would say, uh, is a huge mass there? And he would say, he's huge ass there. All that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, it was a, it was a great moment. Uh, just to stop on Sky, obviously day one, they get a lot of credit for the Black Lives Matter stuff. And they went into it again on day two, but the commentary team, you know, having Rob Key, Ian Bishop, uh, uh, trying Ebony Rainsford Brent out in, in her position, all those sorts of things. They have just completely nailed this test from beginning to end. And Sky Cricket have never had me on Cricket Writers on TV. They never mention any of my articles. They don't help my career in any way, shape or form. So there's no crossover there other than I know some of those guys. Um, I say this as someone who watches more global cricket than anyone else. They are so far above the quality of any other cricket broadcast in the world consistently. And in this test, they've taken it to a whole nother level. Uh, perhaps because they're all working a little bit harder because they've got nothing else to do because they're all in lockdown. But uh, I think they just had a, a great test. Maybe not the person who passed this, uh, <laughs> this tweet to Athens, but everyone else involved <laughs> this guy has had a great test. Yeah, well, I, I'll totally endorse that. Um, of course, I do have some links to... Uh, to Sky Sports because we used some of their talent, didn't we, for a couple of the tours. Um, and when you consider they got David Lloyd on the bench waiting to come back in, it just shows you the riches. Um, Mark Butcher as well. I mean, do you know what I mean? They have, they have set up a very good structure here. Uh, you know, no one's going to like everyone, but when they brought in Ian Bishop for what, day three, day four, I was like, geez, that's, uh, that's bringing in a fairly big hit uh, <laughs> when you're already doing pretty well. Anodyne press conference moment of the day. Zach Crawley, top score today with 76, but did he have anything interesting to say? Oh, that's, you know, that's not my place to say. I mean, my job is to score runs, um, and I try and do that every time I go out to play for England, and, um, you know, that's what I'm going to continue to do as, as long as uh, I get a chance. But, um, you know, that's, that's for the, the powers that be to decide. No, he didn't. What is going to happen tomorrow? Well, it's not going to be a draw, is it? So who's going to win? I don't know. I've seen Craig Brathwaite bat before. If anyone can make this a draw from here, it is Craig <laughs> Brathwaite, even if he's going for the win. Uh, I love that he did the masterclass and he basically just talked about how to defend as late as possible. It's the most <laughs> Craig Brathwaite masterclass I've ever seen. Um, you would assume that with West Indies batting, but 
the flat pitch, they are still the favourites. So their batting brings them down a little bit. But that pitch is quite flat. But there has been a couple of balls shoot and a couple of balls hit gloves and things like that. It is a, it, there is a potential that if the pitch breaks even a little bit, the, the pressure of Jimmy Anderson uh, is going to be quite immense, I think. And also, if the pitch plays up and down even slightly, that brings Wood and Joffre way back into the, into the fold. So uh, I would say that England is very slight favourites from here. But also, it depends, I suppose, on how quickly they get rid of the tail. If... Uh, Wood can have one of those innings where he hits 30 or 15 balls, which he's very capable of. Um, you know, then England is a massive favourite for me. I, I don't want, you know, with my West Indies hat on. I don't have a West Indies hat on. I have a West Indies scarf. But that's a whole different conversation. Um, but with my West Indies hat on, I would say that anything over 220 is really tough for the way that they bat. But uh, if, you're, <laughs> if you're ever going to be in a situation where you can chase that, you basically want your middle and lower order to be quite strong. And that's kind of their strength. So it's not the end of the world for them. As long as you need Shy Hope or Craig Brathwaite um, probably to bat quite long. Um, and they've also obviously got the, the other opener. Could, uh, he, he, can, he can get off to a bit of a flyer. But realistically, I think you need one of the strong uh, top order guys to bat for a, a long period of time. And then you need the middle order to take over. It's all possible. I don't want them chasing more than 220 if I'm feeling comfortable in them. So who's going to win? I would say that with all that, it's going to be a tie. <laughs> I think uh, West Indies have got a glorious opportunity. They have chased down these kind of totals before. We know what Shea Hope and uh, Craig Brathwaite did at Headingley. Uh, remember that series uh, a few years back when um, it, was a t- it was a drawn series in the Caribbean and uh, Darren Bravo uh, chased down a score in around about, I think it was about 170, 180. It's a flat track. I'm tipping West Indies to win just because, of course, you know, the... You're right. They they are going to be reliant on Shea Hope and Craig Brathwaite to make it a comfortable victory. But <laughs> an hour of Blackwood and, uh, you know, all bets are off, really. And we saw what Holder can do as well. Um, Don Bess is going to be really interesting, especially mm. if the game goes late. You know, if um, if there's 30 or 40 needed or something, it's going to be a brave man to throw the ball to Don Bess, even if they've only got three wickets to go. So I'm just tipping a West Indies win. But yeah, I agree. It's, it's going to be tough for them. Pressure will be on. If England can reach 200, last day pitch, uh, it's set up nicely. It's what we want, really, All isn't it? All four results, John. All four results are there, available for us. We are 20 minutes nearer to the this is why Test Cricket is the <laughs> best game in the world tweets. Um, we'll, we'll be looking back at the action, no matter what happens. Uh, on the following on podcast myself and Jared Kim but plenty to discuss uh, after day five you imagine there's been plenty to discuss today and I didn't think that would be a case an hour ago but thanks for listening to following on podcast listen on Acast, Spotify or Apple Podcasts and we'll be back after day five Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. 
Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.